Welcome to Learn Buddhism. I'm Alan Pito. When you think of Buddhist practice, one thing you're probably not thinking about is the cultivation of merit. But the cultivation of merit is actually the primary practice of Buddhists around the world. But what is it exactly and why is it so important? Well, merit is the result of good deeds, acts, or thoughts that are in accord with the Buddhist teachings. Merit then creates the right wholesome conditions for us to progress on this path towards enlightenment so we can realize our true natural state of nirvana where we have blown out the three fires of greed, anger, and delusion and thus can end the cycle of rebirth. Because the cycle of rebirth is re-becoming in these forms that we're in right now, like the human realm. This is dukkha. It is unsatisfactory. It is suffering. So we want to end that particular condition. Now, this is all rooted in the teachings of the Buddha. The Buddha realized that not everyone wanted to or even could become a monastic, which is a monk or a nun, but they still needed a path to follow in everyday life. So through generating merit, laypersons, you and me, can create the wholesome changes within ourselves and provide for the future conditions that are beneficial on the Buddhist path, this Eightfold Path, towards enlightenment. Even the Buddha, if we want to look to his prior lives, prior life tales, he was generating and cultivating merit in all those prior lives that which eventually accumulated in the right conditions for his last rebirth in this world where he became the Buddha. So we can even see in the Buddha's life story where the cultivation of merit was very important. And we can see where the Buddha in the Buddhist scriptures of the different traditions still show that merit is so important. So the Buddha said, bhikkhus, and, and bhikkhus are monks uh, in the Buddhist time, there are three grounds for making merit. What three? The ground for making merit consisting in giving, the ground for making merit consisting in virtue, and the ground for making merit consisting in mind development. These are the three. So the Buddha was laying the groundwork for what this cultivation of merit is. And he said it was these three things. It is giving, morality, and mental development. And we're going to talk about that because these three things, they help you stop the three poisons or three fires of greed, anger, and delusion, which is really that root cause of dukkha, suffering, unsatisfactoriness these unwholesome karmic actions and rebirth. We, we want to end that. So when we are cultivating merit, we are actually practicing Buddhism. Let's talk about them. So the first one is giving. And this one may just kind of get blown over or overlooked by a lot of Buddhists, but it is so central. Even the Buddha said that giving is really the heart of his teachings. And not the giving that we may think about in our minds right now, but this true, deep, fundamental giving that also has a component of your mind and your thoughts and everything else. This is really the Buddha's teachings. And when you practice giving fully, you are really practicing the Buddha's teachings and the Buddha's path. And he said this. So 
That alone is very hard for us, which is why we also practice everything else inside Buddhism. But with giving, this has become very much the primary practice of many Buddhists, and we see it in many, many different ways being practiced. For example, the Sangha, the, the monastic community. This has always been looked at as a very meritorious field of merit for us to give to. And we can look at the primary reasons why we look at the Sangha in that way. These are people who have given up the householder life. We're, you and me, we're laypersons. We're in a householder life right now. We have our everyday activities. They gave it all up. They became homeless and became a monastic. They're all in, as I like to say, inside Buddhism. And because of that, they are fully committed on this Buddhist path towards enlightenment. And with that, we want to support them. And they may have accumulated good merit in these prior lifetimes, these prior existences that accumulated, just like the Buddha, towards like, you know what? This is the, 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 the time that I want to become a monastic. And we need to support them on that, on that particular path. So we're generating good merit when we give to the Sangha. For example, if we are supporting and making sure the temple is staying open, if we are providing food and medical needs for the, the monastics, if we are giving them clothing, all these different things are very much rooted in the accumulation of merit when it comes to the Sangha. And you see many ceremonies even related to that. For example, there's like Sangha Day where you Maybe it's giving merit, or excuse me, giving money, or you're giving clothing to the monks and the nuns. And so there's many different rituals that are actually part of this where we are generating good merit towards the Sangha. Now, in turn, it doesn't end there. The monastics also generate and accumulate good merit. So it's just not a layperson practice. It's also a monastic practice. In turn, they are teaching us how to understand the Buddha Dharma, the Buddha's Dharma, his teachings. And when we are taught that, when we understand that, when they help us engage in rituals and ceremonies and retreats and meditation and everything else, they are generating good merit. And I'm going to talk more about this accumulation and generation of merit at the end of this episode and what you do with this merit, but they are also generating it as well. So it's a very symbiotic and mutually beneficial relationship. And the monastics need the laypersons. And the laypersons need the monastics. So we need each other, and it's this very, very mutual relationship. Then we have morality. In general, this means to live a balanced life in accordance with Buddhist ethics. And you can do this by following and aspiring to follow the five precepts. And you can also take on additional precepts, for example, the eight precepts, which are the five precepts, but addition to three more, uh, or uh, bodhisattva precepts and different things that are aligning you with the morality portion of the Buddha's teachings. When we are practicing and aspiring and upholding the precepts as much as possible, we've aligned ourselves, this, this middle path, this middle way, aligned with the Buddha's teachings, that we are not harming others and thus also not harming ourselves along the path towards enlightenment. So if you can fully uphold the precepts, fantastic. For a lot of us, we are aspiring 
to uphold the precepts. And a lot of times we will have to do repentance for maybe breaking a precept. Not, for example, not practicing it fully. Maybe you did a quote-unquote white lie, for example, and broke a precept. We do repentance so we understand that. So morality is us trying our best to align ourselves with the Buddhist teachings as it relates to ethics. You can also take, a lot of times you see laypersons do this, short-term retreats as it relates to morality. So when you look at short-term retreats, sometimes people look at it as, oh, I'm going to do meditation or kind of maybe live like a monk or take the eight precepts. But you're trying to align yourselves with that morality portion of cultivating merit. And then finally, we have mental development. So this is where we are trying to purify our mind of that three poisons, three fires of greed, anger, and delusion. And we do that with effort and determination. Now, what's important about this, it's just not sitting meditation. So a lot of Westerners and beginners think sitting meditation is the beginning and end of all Buddhist practice. And it's absolutely not. Buddhist practice consists of three things we call the threefold training. It is wisdom. It is going to be morality, and it's also going to be concentration or mental development, as we're seeing here. So these threefold training, you can also see right here inside the cultivation of merit. So practicing everything on that eightfold path requires your effort and determination. But when it comes to mental development, yes, meditation is important, but so is chanting reciting, invoking the name of a Buddha, it is going to be attending Dharma talks and services, classes, venerating Buddhism bodhisattvas, mindfulness. Think of whatever you want to as far as Buddhist practice, you're going to find it in here as well. It's because when we look at these three components of cultivating merit, we are actually practicing Buddhism in all its glory, in all its fullness right here. So it is very much aligned with the threefold training in Buddhism as it relates to the Buddha's Noble Eightfold Path. If you can cultivate your merit with these three things, you're practicing the Buddha's Noble Eightfold Path as well, which is why Buddhists from around the world are practicing this. Now, yes, they may be focusing heavily on the giving component. And if you think about that, it's also purifying and transforming your mind, trying to get away from ego, self, inside your mind, break down that component, right? And then as you progress on to morality, you're now aligning yourself even more with the Buddha's Noble Eightfold Path. And then when you get to mental development, and of course, you can be practicing these all at the same time, but with mental development, now you're refining because now you are essentially not fueling putting fuel on the three fires of greed, anger, and delusion, and you're now letting all the right conditions arise for you to achieve enlightenment. Unfortunately, enlightenment is not always a guarantee. Even the Buddha, when he became awakened, he, there was a moment of doubt where he wasn't sure anybody would really understand his teachings because it's not really easy to not just grasp, but to fully practice to become an enlightened being. However, he did decide, yes, I'm going to go forward and teach, and that's what made him a Buddha. But he understood that it's these future conditions that needs to be really developed, especially for laypersons, and that's really why we have the cultivation of merit. 
just like the Buddha, he cultivated merit in all those prior lifetimes, which accumulated in his last birth, which allowed him to become a Buddha. And that's what we have to think about as well. Enlightenment is not a guarantee. It's going to be very challenging and likely not even possible for a lot of us laypersons right now. If we want to create the future, wholesome, conducive environment for enlightenment, whether that's in this lifetime or more likely in future existences, which is very well known in Buddhism that it's going to take a long time, then we have to cultivate merit. It is such a fundamental practice. And when we're doing this, we are really on the Buddhist path. So a lot of times we look at, for example, the Eightfold Path, which is the path towards enlightenment, where we realize nirvana, that, that we probably have all read and, and know by now. We look at that as something we can achieve in this lifetime. And yes, it's absolutely possible, but it's also very unlikely. We are usually having such karmic debt on us right now that really understanding even sometimes the, the basics of Buddhism, fundamentally, not intellectually, but fundamentally, is going to be very, very challenging or difficult. Whereas we can slowly progress on the path through the cultivation of merit. Does it have benefits in our current life? Absolutely. When you start giving the morality and the mental development, you are slowly purifying, transforming your mind, your life, your conduct, everything else that's aligned on the Buddhist path. But does that mean that you're going to become enlightened in this lifetime? Probably not. And even for monastics, that doesn't mean they're going to become enlightened just because they're a monastic. And so that's why this cultivation of merit is a layperson and monastic practice. And that's why we support each other in that particular way. These three different components of cultivating merit, the giving, morality, and mental development, they all work with each other. For example, we can't develop the mind without morality. And you can't develop morality without giving. So they are all actually interconnected. Now, what's a really important component of generating, cultivating all this merit is what we're going to do with it. So you might think about the cultivation of merit as almost like coins in a piggy bank, almost like merit coins in a bank that you're using, you're banking up to use to help you. Now, the Buddha said there's no such thing as our illusionary belief in a permanent, unchanging, independent self. He says that we are impermanent, we are ever-changing, and we are interdependent upon other things to arise and to exist. We are just a temporary grouping of things called the five aggregates that work so seamlessly together, it gives this illusion of self. So that's not our really our true quote-unquote self. It's this illusionary generation of, of what, what's going on throughout this five aggregates all seamlessly and through our interaction with the world that we believe that there's something permanent and unchanging and independent inside us. And some people may call that a soul. Some people may call that a self or an ego or whatever you want to call it. You absolutely exist right now. This current impermanent being that you are right now absolutely exists. You know, you have beliefs and feelings and all this stuff. 
But what continues on after you die is going to be your karmic actions, something like seeds, and this, and this mind stream of consciousness. So it's this casual connection between existences, beginningless time to, into the future. And this is essentially what we're trying to end as Buddhists. We don't want to continue to be in this cycle of rebirth. We're constantly arising and ceasing, arising and ceasing, because that is dukkha, that is suffering, that is satisfactoriness, because of how we have this illusionary belief when we arise and how we interact. For example, when the Buddha became the Buddha, and so he was no longer bound by the cycle of birth and death, rebirth, he was still the five aggregates. He was still grouped together, right? But he was no longer creating the karma that kept him inside that cycle of birth and death. So when he passed away, he was not going to be reborn again into a new existence, a, two, a separate existence. And so he was allowed to live as his true natural state, that state of nirvana we, we all talk about in Buddhism, where he is not bound by this false belief in self. So he could exist and interact and everything else like he should. Now, I'm bringing this up because it's important regarding those merit coins in the bank, so to speak. We don't actually keep it. So the cultivation of merit is helping you purify your mind and transform your mind and your lifestyle and your conduct and everything else. But we symbolically, in, in some ways, dedicate, transfer our merit. And this is a very popular practice inside Buddhism where the transferring of merit is conducted often at the end of your daily practice, but also at ceremonies and rituals. And that could be transferring or giving your merit that you've accumulated during that particular wholesome Buddhist practice to maybe deceased family members or to somebody who's sick or to all sentient beings in general. So it's a very popular practice. And the reason we do this is if we were to keep to the belief that we are keeping this merit that we just accumulated for ourselves. guess what we're not doing? We are not practicing the Buddhist concepts and beliefs and teachings of compassion, generosity, and loving kindness because the selfishness, the greed, the clinging, the ego, the what's in it for me, you know, is going to be there unless we transfer this merit. You also see it with monastics, where, for example, after a dharma service or a ceremony or ritual, they will often dedicate, transfer the merit to the congregation, to the laypersons. So you see this, essentially, this giving up of merit. And it really, in my belief, falls back into that number one portion of the cultivation of merit, giving. When you are able to give, you are also giving up that illusionary false belief in a permanent, unchanging, independent self, which is so important because as soon as we clean away that dirty window or dirty mirror, can identify our true self, that's where we have awakening, enlightenment, and realize our true natural state of nirvana can exist inside there in that cycle of birth and death. So the transfer to merit, extremely extremely important component. So I look at the cultivation of merit as one component, but then also the transferring of merit as part of this two-part of merit practice inside Buddhism. And when you look at all of this in, in general, oh, this whole thing, it is Buddhist practice. This is why monastics and laypersons practice this. So unfortunately, 
not always practiced by Westerners who may look at this as almost like a, a ritualistic type thing or, well, that's not meditation. It's not really important. This is Buddhist practice. And when it's practiced fully, you are progressing down that path towards enlightenment. Remember, it's not all about you. It's also about how we interact with other people, what we do as monastics, everything. Because when we are in society, we have to practice inside society. And the cultivation of merit, a beautiful, wonderful way to actually do that. Do you have any questions about merit? You can send me a message from my website, alanpito.com, or from my social media. Or if you'd like to leave a message about this podcast episode, you can do so on Spotify or send me a voicemail message. And I look forward to talking with you in our next episode. Thank you.